Welcome back to the Sound Logic Podcast. We are moving through this 2020 list and have come to number 35. This is an album that we have already reviewed before. And so tonight we'll be tackling the Beatles' iconic Rubber Soul album. Beep, 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 beep. Yeah. <laughs> this one uh, came in uh, at number five on the 2003 list, on the Coffee Table book, and the 2012 list. And we're, it is part of the great uh, British fall off of the Beatles and Rolling Stones getting bumped down on this list uh, here to number 35. Yeah. Is that an official? Is that on the interwebs now? Is that a, a t- like, can you Google that? The great, the great British, British fall off of 2020. And to, yeah, and it takes you to this list? I think so. Or do we have to <laughs> we make can, that? We can start it. Hashtag British fall off. The great, the great British fall off of 2020 Rolling Stone. That's a long hashtag. I'll do okay, it. I'll set good. it up. I'm good at computers. Uh, um, so, okay. I don't know. Okay, this is not. Yep. My favorite. I like this Beatles album a lot. It's not one of my favorites, so I'm not as sad that it okay. fell down. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, it it's like. It is a really good Beatles album that's really good, easy to listen to and has a lot of great songs. I don't need to say anything else. Like, it's just... <laughs> I, I feel well, it's not controversial. It's well, like, it's not... Hold on. Uh, controversial in its sound quality, maybe, but I think this has a glaring error of a track in the final track um, that really has not wait, aged well. Run For Your Life. Uh, if you can, little girl, hide your head in the sand, catch you with oh, another that man. That's the end. Um, I think. Oh right, I forgot I about think that. This <laughs> album is close to perfect, but man, that that song sticks out like a sore thumb right now. Okay. I I would say I yeah. think we've talked uh, uh, during our Beatles reviews of the different iterations or eras of the Beatles, which is kind of funny to yes. say since they only really were a band making albums for. A decade or so but this is kind of like the right. pinnacle of that era of beatles sound this rubber soul album before For, they move into yes. the sort of more fantastical peppers era yeah um and it's really really good and has some of my favorite songs in my life is fantastic um oh, oh yeah you know e- even the opening drive my car is pretty great uh and, and now that I'm saying that, I know that the British version has a slightly different track order, right? Uh, I yes, don't remember it does. which which one it doesn't has start drive with. My car. It doesn't start with drive my car. That's right. I think it's the American that has drive my yeah, car, and like I can't that. imagine this album starting with anything <laughs> other than drive my car. Um, but yeah, so it, <laughs> no, it is. Fantastic. It is really good. It is, I would say, arguably very great, with one exception, and. Um, I don't mind that it's been nudged down for that that black eye that's on it. Uh, I think it's it's fine to have it here where it is, and um, there's right. other good stuff. From and that and too. just just to to correct quickly, um, it was the North American release that didn't have Drive My Car. Oh, we talked about. I think you'll find out when we replay this review the irony of the uh, driving 
American public not getting that song as the lead yes. <laughs> track. Right. <laughs> what a yeah. missed opportunity that was. Instead, it started with uh, I've Just Seen a Face, another great, great fast-paced tune, but which doesn't appear on the, uh, well, the release in every other country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we had talked about that. This, this feels like the pinnacle of the early Beatles sound, yeah. and then they, they moved on. And so interesting that um, when we reviewed on the last list... Um, uh, meet the Beatles? Was it Meet the Beatles or With the Beatles? When we had Ron Rosen yeah. on, and Ron had had been at their last concert mm-hmm. uh, in San Francisco, and he was there, and they had uh, they had already released um, Revolver at that time. So they, but they didn't. I don't think they played many songs, and still the image when you look at the the video and the photos from that, the image is still very much. That rubber soul and early yeah, Beatles, yep. like the black suits mm-hmm. and and the hair wasn't too, you know, it was still fairly uniform. Like you look at the cover of this album, and their hair's getting a little shaggier, but it's still fairly the same. And then they start really, you know, diversifying and doing their own thing and being more individual. And we see that as they get towards the end, kind of really being four men making music together as opposed to a band yeah yeah <laughs> um so so i find it you know when i look at the images from from that last concert i still see very much this rubber yeah, early Beatles yeah. kind of look yeah. um even on the cover they're wearing like those this i don't know like like oil oil skin coats or something mm-hmm. but there's still very much the black suits all the same Clean shaven and it just blows Clean shaven, yeah, clean shaven. Then when they get into um, uh, maybe not revolver, but peppers, you know, they've got the mustaches yeah. and the hair is different. Right. And then of course, you know, John Lennon gets the giant beard later on. And yeah, no, it's uh, it, as you said, yeah, it's funny to talk about eras, but you really like. I really, uh, Revolver is my favorite Beatles mm-hmm. album, and that comes after this mm-hmm. album. So I really feel the difference. Um, and as we talked about in few different reviews they they had already decided that they weren't going to tour anymore mm-hmm. so uh it changes the music you can make when you know you don't have to reproduce it live absolutely <laughs> it does, doesn't have to be something you you have to perform on stage yep uh it can really change how you do your singles and your your hit songs so anyways yeah. i guess we we probably we don't want to go on too long but we should talk about I guess I sort of said it already. I don't, like I said, it, this doesn't bother me that this has moved down because it's not my favorite. And there were so many Beatles albums in the yeah. top 15. Yeah. There was like five or six in the top 15. The Beatles are great, but I'm glad they've diversified the list yeah. a bit. Yeah. <laughs> and still, this is our what? This is our fifth Beatles album so far? Something like that. Right? Yeah. Abbey Road, Revolver, Peppers white album so this is still 35 and we've already done five Beatles albums much more than any other artist so far by far I think uh, Dylan we've done two already right yeah so you know that's uh, still <laughs> there's still a lot of Beatles right, here right. Um, how do you feel how do you feel about the shift does that kind of I know you also really love this album does that does it bother yeah. you or it's like is it okay I don't mind it being here um, I think 
I think it fits better with what this list is trying to do. Uh, I'm actually mm-hmm. kind of surprised it's this high, to be honest. It doesn't have the okay. sort of like genre-bending sound of Revolver or Peppers or the White Album. And um, I don't know that too many people would point back to this as like an album that changed rock and roll. It was them really perfecting their sound that had already changed rock and roll. But right. um, So it doesn't hold the same sort of historic significance, I don't think. Um, and like I said, it's got this one track that, you know, I think even the band kind of wished they hadn't written later in their lives. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is fine to have it here. It could even be a few spots slower, and I don't think I would have been too too surprised by it. Right. I'm with you. What do we got coming up uh, next time here, Mike? Well, next time we'll be discussing album number 36, which will be a new review for us. This is Michael Jackson's Off the Wall album, moving up about 30 spots from 68 to 36. So uh, that will be our second Michael Jackson album we reviewed on the list. Does uh, Paul McCartney make an appearance on this one? I don't think he does. <laughs> I don't think so either. He wasn't thrilled. That would be interesting to sort of uh, tie those uh, two spots <laughs> on the list together a little bit with the crossover. But. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think that does uh, does make him the person who might appear on this list the most. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> um, rivaling the uh, the members of uh, the Wu-Tang Clan who we started yeah. to track. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we hope you'll join us again next time for our review of Off the Wall. Please stick around for our previous review of Rubber Soul, which is coming up right after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Ben and you're listening to the Sound Logic Podcast. This is Mike. Each episode we discuss one of music's greatest albums from Rolling Stone Magazine's Top 500 list. Brought to you by two guys with no credentials. Welcome back, everyone. Today we are discussing album number five from Rolling Stone's top 500 album list. That happens to be Rubber Soul by The Beatles. What a great opening riff to that album. And uh, this is one that, even though I hadn't sat down with this album previously in its entirety, I was familiar with, I think I counted like eight of the 14 songs on on the album so i knew over half of them for sure even though i'd never listened to the album in its entirety and the other ones i still really enjoyed even though i hadn't heard them before is there a reason that you were drawn to some of the other albums we've already talked about and not rubber soul particularly i don't know i, I i'm not i was really drawn to revolver and that was the first one that i remember sitting down saying i have to listen to this whole album and like I'd mentioned before, I f- felt like listening to the radio and rock radio as much as we did growing up and working 
and working at a place, a few different places where we could listen to the radio pretty much all day. We heard a lot of Beatles music and I felt like I never really needed to listen to albums because even when I did, I knew most of the songs because this radio station played a lot of the songs that weren't singles. So I felt like I knew a lot of Beatles music anyways and didn't, maybe necessarily didn't see the need, the value in listening to any specific album maybe just put you know go to youtube and put Beatles beatles mix and listen to beatles songs that makes sense i i certainly believe that albums are special not only for their place in time but here's a band that recorded a bunch of songs in this time wanted to put them together chose them specifically and you listen to them in this order i do think that's special and i don't know why i never listened to this album but it was one that i had really wanted to get to but for whatever reason just never got to it but I knew that it influenced Revolver, obviously, and that that was kind of the precursor to an album that I really love. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry for not listening to it earlier. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, your comments remind me that we kind of had a thing in high school and college where it wasn't that we were against greatest hits albums, but, you know, that, that desire to hear, as, as the artists originally intended, meant that we... You know, rather than picking up Fleetwood Mac's greatest hits, I picked up Rumors. Mm -hmm. If you assumed you knew all the songs on Rubber Soul anyway, it could have almost felt like just another Beatles hits album if you had picked it up. Your comments there make me think about another band that I really like, and that's Pink Floyd. And when I really started Mm -hmm. discovering that I like Pink Floyd, it was around the time that they released a greatest hits called Echoes. And it was a double disc of greatest hits. I listened to those songs and I really, really enjoyed them and I wanted more. So I started getting their albums and I got Dark Side of the Moon and then I got The Wall and then I got Wish You Were Here because I wanted to hear more of the types of songs that, oh, I really like the, I would read in the liner notes, oh, these two songs I really like, they're both from Dark Side, I want to get that. After I had them all, I actually gave away the greatest hits to a friend who was getting into it. I said, you can have this now because I don't need it anymore. I've got all the albums. <laughs> and uh, and some of the songs that I didn't like as much on the greatest hits were ones that I didn't have the album for. So, so certainly this is the same kind of thing where uh, it was the reverse, where I thought I had knew all the songs, didn't need the album. Yep. But now as I'm getting into more Beatles albums, plus sometimes... I don't want to listen to Sgt. Pepper's Beatles or White Album Beatles. I want to listen to Help Beatles or Rubber Soul Beatles or even earlier. Yeah. You know, I want yeah. to hear that that boppy um, mop top sound and not the kind of a little more mature and psychedelic sound. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, this is this is a, a real a feel good album. Like start to finish is there's some quieter songs, but pretty much it's straight up just a, a fun album to listen to i had a bit of a backwards experience i guess in that my first i think i've already talked a few times about you know really getting into the beatles when i watched the i am sam film my first purchase was a greatest hits album the beatles album they titled one which was all yes. their number one hits yes and it was only later where i thought why don't i go back and check all of this out so i downloaded all the albums <laughs> there you go. and listened to them i think in chronological order i tried to start at the beginning and work my way through to try and listen for how the sound was evolving right and i think it was uh, uh i had assumed that i was going to enjoy the later stuff more and was pleasantly surprised at how much i enjoyed their early recordings mm. and 
And this album is not one of the earliest ones, but it still holds uh, some of that early sound. And oh, I, yes. I really, really like it. Uh, uh, we'll get to more about that as we, as we talk through the album. Well, you're tempting yeah. me to talk about that now, but I will hold off. That's, that <laughs> do you want to give us some details on the album and uh, how it fits in with history? You know that I do want to do that. <laughs> this was released on December 3rd, 1965, and this was their sixth studio album. This came after Help and before Revolver. Okay, uh, Again, this was all songs were written by Len- Lennon-McCartney, except for... Think for Yourself, and If I Needed Someone, those are by George Harrison. And Ringo shares a credit with Lennon McCartney for What Goes On. And when I hear What Goes On, it really reminds me of um, Act Naturally, which he also sang on, mm. which was on Help. So it's kind of kind of funny that you can hear his flavor. Yeah. You can hear his flavor, not just his voice, but also some, the, the ways he liked to write a song. Uh, this charted... Uh, to number one as an album in both the U.S. and the U.K. To date, it's sold over 7 million albums worldwide. And this is historically very significant. Not only, as we've talked before, did Brian Wilson say that this album inspired him to create Pet Sounds, but the Beatles have said that this was kind of the precursor to create Revolver, which was a precursor to create Sgt. Pepper's. So they took those new techniques and new ways of writing songs and new sounds they were using to evolve on, I think, you know, and as this list would say, all three of those albums are in the top five. So those are special albums and they kind of piggybacked on making them better and better and better. I mean, that's debatable whether they are better and better and better in chronological order, but certainly... Uh, as this list would state, they are. We always like to talk about the album cover. So here is a pretty standard-looking album cover. We've got a picture of the guys. Um, it's kind of from the ground perspective, looking up at their faces. They're sort of in a semicircle with some trees behind. And in the top left corner, we've got the words Rubber Soul in a very stylized 60s handwriting that you would have seen like on a Doors poster yeah. or any of that early. Um, there was an exhibit last year at the Art Gallery of Ontario, I believe it was, um, the AGO, which we like to go to, where they had all the artwork from posters from California in the 60s, the Doors. Oh, cool. And, uh, and all these other festivals and all this very similar and and amazing graphics and these hand-drawn posters that are now really really famous and if you probably get your hands on one of them are worth a lot of money so this reminds me of that directly um and it it's looks more psychedelic than it sounds (laughs) Um, yeah but this is the image of the guys with you know the shaggy hair no facial hair yet um very a little messier than the really clean cut version of the Beatles in 62, 63, but not kind of the shaggy kind of psychedelic, uh, more hippie look that we got in the later sixties. Well, it's darker. Uh, there's like trees in the background. And, um, if they had some facial hair, I would have assumed this was one of their last cover shots, even though like the, you can only really see clothes on John, but, it almost looks like a seventies style image that yeah. um, I'd have expected from a, a more of a seventies release. Rub, the rubber sole font, as you said, definitely screams sixties, yes. but the image uh, I think I would have placed later in their career. 
had I not known. Uh, yeah, 70s rock band. You can see, if you look really closely, you can see on John and Ringo these giant collars of these almost um, oil skin jackets that they've got on. Yeah. Uh, or yeah. maybe tur- maybe they're wearing turtlenecks. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a different look. It's almost blending a couple different eras. But again, we'll see kind of the transition from kind of the early to the later Beatles really happening at this time. And I think this album cover also describes what's happening there. I want to list the tracks, and this is kind of important because there were two different releases. There was one in the UK and one in North America, so they were different. So there's on the UK release, there's 14 tracks, and on the North American release, there was only 12. This list here is the UK list, the original UK release. Starts with Drive My Car, Norwegian Wood, You Won't See Me, Nowhere Man, Think For Yourself, The Word, Michelle, What Goes On, Girl, I'm Looking Through You, In My Life, Wait, If I Needed Someone, Run For Your Life. Now, the North American release doesn't include Drive My Car, uh, which is the opening track, doesn't include Nowhere Man. Or what's go, what goes on, or if I needed someone. Instead, it starts with I've Just Seen a Face. That begins side one, and side two begins with It's Only Love. I had a moment of panic when I, you made this note that there were two different track lists, <laughs> and I thought, oh my goodness, what have I have I been listening to all these years? <laughs> uh, I, I was listening to the UK version, so that was some relief that uh, the more extended play was the one that I had been enjoying for so many years. Um, but I've never heard It's Only Love until uh, you pointed that out today. And then I went and, and found it on Spotify and listened to it. Um, or if I've heard it, it, it was fairly forgettable. Uh, this album, I think, really stood out as I was journeying through their, their records. And this track list in particular, we both mentioned, I guess, when we were doing uh, Dylan last week, that we'd read those titles and couldn't even place the songs in our minds. Right. This whole list, all 14 tracks, the the sound of that music comes to my mind immediately. I, I'm so yeah. familiar with this Beatles album, and I'm realizing perhaps this may be the album I'm most familiar with uh, without even really being able to say that before we began this project. I would agree. I'm also, I'm also just flabbergasted at the thought of listening to Rubber Soul without Drive My Car that iconic opening being at the beginning there that just seems like a, a crime like what were they thinking not giving that song to the north american market especially the car obsessed uh, american market <laughs> <laughs> yeah w- yeah with songs from from the beach boys and all the other yeah bands that really idolized that car culture which was so huge in the states um that song like it just it just pops right out at the beginning i, I can't yeah. imagine it even not being on the album, let alone not being right at the beginning. It, it's it's so cool. Yeah, for sure. It, maybe uh, men 
insinuating that their significant other could drive their car was too emasculating for the um, North American oh. audience to, oh, to tolerate. That's, that's an interesting thought. <laughs> 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 yeah, that it, that it could be a woman driving it even worse. Um, exactly. Oh boy. Uh, yeah, and I, you know, we're not always able to do all the research for the album, but I'm interested to know why those decisions were made. I'm sure it wasn't yeah. hi- the higher higher levels of of the label, but um, for whatever reason, there's two different releases, and and that's that. Well, given that my uh, my familiarity has a hard time even parsing out what the popular songs are from this album. What were the ones that you immediately knew and which were the tracks that were new to you once you listened to this album in its entirety? Drive My Car. When I put on the album, I was like, oh, Drive My Car's on this album? Oh, I love that song. You know, that was like, I was excited. Yeah. Um, Norwegian Wood uh, is one I like and I've always liked. Um, and there's and there's so many others that I was familiar with. Um I think that was the one I was most excited about. I was just, and just right at the top, you know, it's just, like I said, grabs you. I think I had always assumed that In My Life was a ballad from their later years, because it's almost oh. got that kind of, that feeling of, um, like, let it be. Yeah. And something like, like a more of a reflective sort of slower ballad type song. But, uh, no, it's not from a later album. It's from this album, and it's uh, it's a beautiful song, wonderful lyrics, very reflective and uh, very heartwarming, and it's very gentle, and I really really like it. And it it's in contrast to so many other songs that are really poppy and really kind of in your face. Uh, this is a really gentle, beautiful song. I like it a lot. Yeah, I think that was one that I'd listening to the song and getting through it, getting almost to the end of it, and then hearing this beautiful song. It's like, oh wow, that's really nice. So, yeah, definitely. I think those two are probably two of my favorite. But there's so many that I like. Is there anything to you that you you know when you listen to it, it's like just one of your favorites or, or something else that jumps out at you? Yeah, I really like uh, "You Won't See Me," mm-hmm. and uh, I really like the word. Yeah. I think oh, uh, cool it seems it's a sort of uh, love everyone kind of '60s <laughs> theme. You know, as I become maybe more justice-minded, uh, "Run for Your Life" unfortunately was a song that I just the first time through this album several years ago. I thought was just such a cool poppy song, and it, it gets stuck in your head. The more I thought about the lyrics, uh, like, what are they singing about exactly? Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems such a stark contrast for an album to have both a song about how important the word love is, and then also a song about chasing down a woman who's not giving you all of her attention uh, and calling it Run for Your Life. There's a, a line that they apparently stole from Elvis. Uh, I'd rather see you dead, little girl, than... Uh, to be with another oh, man, man. <laughs> um, just a very, very dark, dark image, uh, and this apparently was just fine <laughs> to include in an album in the '60s, uh, and, and perhaps you can get away with it for um, uh, blaming it on the King. So a little music history lesson for us is that the song they stole it from is going to be on the Elvis album that we get to first. Coming up here, uh, we've got at number eleven. Uh, Elvis Presley's uh, album, The Sun Sessions, which were uh, 
recordings from several years in the same studio, and it includes that that controversial track, I guess, "Baby, Let's Play House," which is where John Lennon stole that lyric from. Um, the sort of, uh, I guess, good thing to come out of this is that even Lennon was kind of embarrassed by this track later on in life, and uh, I think listed it as his least favorite Beatles song of all time. Oh wow. Um, it's a real shame that the lyrics are so terrible because it's a it's such a great <laughs> yeah. catchy tune, um, but it's it's the only it's the only sort of weak spot when I look at this track list. And actually, it's, it's occasionally you know it'll be on in the background, and that song will start playing, and I'll start singing along before I realize, oh my goodness, uh, I should not be singing along with this. And yeah, it, it raises all kinds of questions for me about. When do you dismiss an artist or a work of art for its subject matter, and when do you just sort of hold it in context for the moment that it was released and give it some rope for that reason? Yeah, interesting question. That sometimes you almost just want to turn that conscious part of your brain off and go, "Oh, who cares what the lyrics are? This is so right. much fun." <laughs> uh, but it's fun. Let's dance. Yeah, kids. exactly. But yeah, yeah, just reading the lyrics as you're speaking them is like, ooh, that's dark. <laughs> but but I think there was a lot of things yeah. in that time and maybe even now where they write it and this, oh, it's we're just joking. It's just don't take it so seriously. We'll probably get to some of this when we look at the hip hop albums that are on this list. But you what know, kind of albums? people who are gifted uh, <laughs> hip hop. <laughs> Why? What? what? <laughs> Oh, sorry, I hadn't acknowledged them yet. Uh, you know, <laughs> there's there are musical styles where lyrics are accentuated far beyond reality to sort of make a point. And maybe the point of this song is just someone who feels right, really jealous. Sure. I'm yeah. hoping yeah. Uh, John Lennon, rest in peace, did not actually want to kill uh, women who did not want to be with him. It, there's a chance that this was just for extra yeah, effects i don't know it, it feels like you're even trying to rationalize <laughs> maybe that's that. why he uh, re, re, kind of uh, reneged yeah. on it later in life just it's like oh, yeah man, i why think did that's I even true that? yeah. i think that's do you have any memories of songs for this album i know you said you you know you when you went through all the albums you know this was one you really enjoyed but anything else that pops out in your memory bank i hesitate to bring this up now because i think there's an album that we'll get to later on that's even more fitting. But there are a number of uh, children's artists that I've really enjoyed getting into mm. with my kids uh, over the last several years of being a parent. Uh, one of those is a, an artist who actually rose to fame as a 90s alternative rocker. The moniker for this uh, children's artist is Casper Baby Pants, <laughs> but he was the lead singer of... Uh, the presidents of the United States of America, no way, uh, who are known for their hit songs like "Lump" and "Kitty," <laughs> really? and "Peaches," and uh, all those quality songs. Um, but he has just the best children's albums, and he has two Beatles covers albums, which includes what? a number of songs from this album. And so there are kid versions of Beatles music that I have been singing to my kids for a while from Casper Baby Pants. And so there are a couple of songs that would be ones that come up on this uh, album, like Drive My Car, that uh, when I hear that song now, <laughs> probably because of the moment of my life that I'm in, first I'm 
transported to his version of it, and then I think about the Beatles version of it. Um, it's almost like surpassed <laughs> the original artist because of uh, the enjoyment that our family gets from those albums. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. How did I not know about this guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, and why didn't you tell me? That's a good question. I think it's because our kids aged slightly differently. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, your youngest is older than my oldest. Is that correct? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So a few so, months. Yeah. You know, uh, it, it takes you a couple of years to get your parenting feet under you. Uh, but um, you know, I I'm sure in those early years of playing Casper Baby Pants for our oldest, I was thinking, oh, your kids are probably already beyond this now. But oh yeah. Um, okay, I, I accept that. <laughs> his his the first Beatles album that he did. I cover album that he did i think is the best that's that's a great tie-in yeah the the thing is the song that um that is really like linked to casper baby pants for me right now everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey and uh <laughs> there are monkey songs that come on after that but that's not from this album i think it's on the white album that is a, yeah that's another beatles song right yeah Right on. Yeah, so I cool. Was, I was going to hold that in my back pocket. <laughs> I, I would say, so this is becoming like a broken record for me, no pun intended, but <laughs> the first two Beatles albums that we went through, I really liked except for their choice of closing track. And this one <laughs> is the exact same way. Take off track 14. This is a perfect album for me. I think this is my, this is as close as it gets to being a perfect Beatles album. It doesn't cover the genre spectrum uh, that Revolver did. Um, it's also not as silly or outside the box as Sgt. Pepper's. I think that this is where they were in their sweet spot. They weren't trying to be experimental or, or uh, reimagine themselves. They were just, after many years of playing many different concerts, they were hitting their groove when they released Rubber Soul. And it's just top to bottom. All the songs are, are good. Even the one that I hate is a song that uh, <laughs> if I'm not careful, I'll sing along with. Um, yeah, it's yeah. What about you? Other personal memories for you? Yeah, I do have some memories. And they're not about me listening to the album, but just hearing some of the songs, maybe before I knew what they were. And in mm. the in the mid-2000s, uh, I think you visited us once we were watching it together. There was a movie that came out called Across the Universe, which is a like a jukebox musical kind of thing with all Beatles songs. And it opens with the main character, Jude, singing a very dissonant and broken up version of Girl. Is there anybody out there who will hear my story? And he's kind oh, of yeah. you know looking down, you know, very melancholy. And it's kind of at the end of the story... And he's in pain looking back to the beginning. And it's just a not like the most iconic Beatles song, but just the way they tied it into the beginning. I always kind of sure. remembered that part. And then um, I don't know why this struck me. I remember seeing a video of uh, Paul McCartney being interviewed after Obama won the presidency. And he was singing in this video, singing uh, Michelle to Michelle Obama. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, so that uh, that always makes me think of that. You've had a, a much more recent baptism of this album, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Uh, what, yeah. What were uh, your what were your preconceived notions heading into the first listen? I can't really remember. Well, mine. I think just uh, knowing that it inspired Revolver and seeing even just seeing the cover art, I 
imagined it would be more psychedelic and more experimental. Yeah. Yeah. And number one. And number two, I didn't realize there were so many hits and familiar songs on it. Once I opened it up and listened to it, I was like, oh my gosh, it is, it is like a greatest hits album. And it is, I totally agree with you. It is like the pinnacle of the early Beatles sound. Yep. They had absolutely mastered that sound and put it here. And I was going to comment on this later, but I think it's appropriate now. There is a massive contrast between this album and the album that follows it follows it revolver you hear the difference between them moving away from that early sound although that early sound is there on revolver they have some of that and and on their next albums it is just show up a little bit and they have a few songs that kind of have that boppy uh early beatles sound but the experimentation on revolver and the different types of songs they do and the different sounds they use uh really separates those two albums they're both amazing and i love them both and it's hard for me to compare but this is the last album where we hear most of the songs having that uh, recognizable early Beatles sound. And I do believe you're correct. They perfected it here. And I would want to say that they decided what's next. Yeah. It's like they reached uh, the top and said, yeah. okay, now what? Yeah. yeah. How, how do we reinvent ourselves? And, you know, and then they did that with Revolver and deciding to quit touring and then Sgt. Pepper's and the albums that followed. Um, I, I sure I'm glad, not that I would have hated another five albums of this style, but I'm glad they took the time to evolve and revolve her. Yeah. You're right. I, I listened to this one a lot later, um, but found out that I knew most of it and it's, it's just fantastic. It's, got uh all the notes of their earlier sound but with a little more maturity in songwriting and in theme how many years was it between rubber soul and revolver is it just a oh single... it's just the next year yeah it was just the next year you. i think it was like maybe even less than a year i think this one came out in december and uh the next one came out like um, in august of the next year so yeah so less than a year still kind of blows my mind to think about how quickly they were turning these out i mean and this is another conversation for another podcast, but why, why is it so spread out now? Even when we were growing up in the nineties, two thousands, you know, uh, if a band released an album two years later, that was quick. Right. Um, I was like, Oh yeah, I got some more music. You know, it was not uncommon to three, four five, even more years until about five or six years. Then people start saying, Hmm, I wonder when we're getting another album back then. Like I said, the Beatles were criticized for taking five months to record Sgt. Pepper's. Right. Like, that's what are they doing in there? That's too long. We want more, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I think in a moment, uh, this maybe doesn't excuse the people we listened to in high school, but in the moment we're currently living in, you make such a little amount of money from your record sales. Uh, you you have to be touring all the time and selling merchandise. Yeah. And so I think that gives people an excuse to, you know, not be recording uh, and, and also probably requires them to take time off from all that touring to just recuperate before they even get back into the studio. Do you think that they made more money off of albums back in the 60s and 70s? That's my assumption, although maybe it was just the record companies making more. Oh, uh, I mean, they still, they did tour. Yeah. There was, there, you know, there was less, um, I think less 
maybe less advertisement and you know sponsorships and and kind of that stuff even adjusted for inflation the uh the wikipedia list of the top grossing tours of all time are almost all from the last 20 years i mean i would agree with you whether or not they are making more or less from the record sales they're certainly making a heck of a lot more on touring right because for up until maybe the 90s or some of the 80s i mean a concert was usually just a concert yeah <laughs> you know just the band up there yeah. maybe some pyrotechnics maybe some dancers maybe some special lights <laughs> yeah uh but not the the spectacles that they are today i mean when you go to a show it is an experience you know with right any different amount of multimedia display um we recently watched the netflix video of taylor swift's uh reputation tour or one of her concerts in in dallas and it's like just unbelievable and there's so many bands and artists who are doing that today and some that you've seen you know you two yeah. is one that have done big ones and Coldplay, and 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 i think of artists like beyonce and pink who have uh justin yeah. timberlake who do really big you know stage and constructions and that uh so there's a lot of money to be made there because people are willing to shell out for that uh knowing what they're going to get back then yeah you wanted to see your favorite band but they were just playing yeah and the technology wasn't as good. You can go to no. a concert now in a stadium, and it sounds pretty solid. Uh, one of the reasons the Beatles stopped touring, not the only reason, but one of the reasons was the sound quality was so terrible, and partially because people were screaming, but like the band couldn't hear themselves. The, the people in the audience couldn't hear the band. You can't do that for very long before you're like, why are we, why are we doing this at all? They were at the size of needing to play massive football stadiums and the technology wasn't there to to make that even work or feasible that's right not too long ago it was the anniversary of one of their last concerts which was in toronto the city you and i grew up near and i remember talking to someone who was there and they said uh it was at um, maple leaf gardens they said you, you couldn't hear a thing like yeah you saw them on stage but couldn't hear the music uh and the little that you could hear was just really poor quality so yeah no that's a really good point imagine the beatles touring now with the technology we have yeah if the stones can roll out on stage i mean paul's still touring <laughs> he is yeah but but even then the it, it's not the you know they're not putting on the spectacle like we have but certainly it's it's way better um speaking of today does this this album hold up to you is it is it relevant this is a, becoming a more difficult question as we move this series along um partially because we're we're looking at albums that are really great but also albums that sound like a specific moment in music history so the very the very big obvious piece of this is that track 14 does not hold up well at all <laughs> uh, <laughs> lyrically you know, there's there's lyrically absolutely um, musically it's all still really catchy it's fun it's um it's really well crafted. It's a great example of the Beatles sound in their earlier years, but it definitely still sounds like a sixties album. Yeah. It's really good. You know, that's when you're willing to put up with something that may sound dated because it, it also sounds really, really well done. So yeah, I guess I would say it holds up pretty well with, with one exception. <laughs> I think of the albums we've listened to so far, this to me is the one that 
overall, I think holds up the best. It's got, it sounds like a 60s album, but it doesn't have some of the more experimental 60s sounds. Like maybe, yeah, uh, you know, as in Revolver and Sergeant Pepper's, we hear more of the sitar and Hindustani style music that was, you know, very specific to that time that rock bands were doing that. And this doesn't have that. It's got that early kind of Beatles sounds, but it's a little more matured. Lyrically, they're still very, again, so as, as we go through these Beatles albums, of finding so many of the lyrics are just very relevant to the lives of normal, regular people. Yeah. Uh, it's stuff that most people can relate to, you know, having a, having a relationship or going to work or growing up or getting old. It's all things that we all do, no matter yep. how famous we are or what profession we're in. And I think that if you played in my life, for example, with a group of people, almost everyone's going to sing along. I think many of the songs in this album are sing-alongable, are recognizable, and crowd-pleasers. So I think it does hold up. I think, with the exception of the last song, which lyrically is uh, challenging <laughs> and problematic, um, it, it is very much still relevant and sounds a little dated. But again, we've talked about something can sound dated, but doesn't really doesn't really pose a problem do you want a bump revolver from your favorite beatles album top spot i don't and i recognize that there are albums that i really like and bands that i really like that aren't as popular because they're a little more challenging to listen to and they're not everyone's favorite and i think revolver is that i i recognize that rubber soul is a little easier to listen to but I like that Revolver challenges me a little more ah, interesting. Uh, sonically. And there are some things that are a little weird, but I find it very stimulating and I can get into it a little more. If I just want a, a really fun album to listen to and I'm always going to be in a good mood for a Rubber Soul, for sure. But if I want to be a little more challenged, um, Revolver, I think, is there. There's just a lot more going on. I think it's more complex. Um, I think the general populace would probably enjoy Rubber Soul more than Revolver. Uh, I wouldn't say that necessarily. I haven't seen any poll that says that, but no, I still like Revolver more, but this is, a, I think, a very close second, and I think I do like it a little more than Sgt. Pepper's. Interesting. How that uh, sits with you. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, I think that there are better songs... Better singular songs on Sgt. Pepper's and Revolver, but I think this is a better album in terms of the way that it fits together than either of those. Uh, I think that this shows the complexity of putting together a list like the Rolling Stone top 500 album list because you're you're including all these different factors. Uh, the, you know, also how did it impact the rest of music? Where does it fit in the band's career? How seminal was it for a certain kind of sound? That sort of thing. Uh, I would say from a pure enjoyment standpoint, I'd probably put this at the top of the albums that we've listened to so far. Um, Ooh, wow. Not just the Beatles albums, but, but all of them. And we'll see. I, I'm actually really looking forward to finishing out the top 10 because that, I think, will be the first point when we do our own sort of uh, maybe a summary of the top 10 episode where we do our own ranking of the or re-ranking of the top 10 and see where we are. So you would rank this album higher than five. Correct. I think 
as of now, I think it's my top album. Wow. Out of the five that we've listened to. So you'd put this number one. Yes. I think I would, I don't want to uh, reshuffle <laughs> the top 10 just yet. Cause we'll get there. But I think I would, again, I would still put this behind revolver, but if revolver was the number one album on the list, then I'd make this number two. It is very, it is very, very good. We're going to say that this uh, position was not sound logic. <laughs> too, too low. <laughs> no. Too low. <laughs> Do better next time. Yeah. Um, um, no, I think it's, you know it's fine. Uh, top five is great, <clears throat> and uh, I don't mind it at five. Um, yeah. Uh, con- considering its success, listenability, longevity, uh, sales, charting, influence, all that, I, I think because of that, I would argue I should think it should be at least one higher. If you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> One higher. And well, and you know, we've got we've got some more Beatles coming up here to compare it yeah. to as well. It'll be interesting to see how those fit in with this when we're when all the dust settles as well. So another album has escaped the Baby Shark seal of disapproval. Yep. Yeah, not not absolutely. really a, not really a stretch here. <laughs> not a stretch. <laughs> no. Definitely sound logic. But what do we got uh, up next? Yeah, next time we are leaving the 60s and heading into the 70s for the first time for album number six on Rolling Stone's top 500 album list. And that is What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. Yeah, we're working at having a special guest with us. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And I don't want to say too much, but it'll be exciting to listen to something from uh, a bit of a different genre. We've mostly done rock Uh and we're going to get out of that and, and get out of the 60s decade. So uh, we hope that you will join us once again. If you like what you hear, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and write a review. Send us a message at our Facebook page, on Instagram, or through our SoundLogic Podcast Twitter feed. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed that classic episode of ours. Tune in next time for the next album on the new 2020 Rolling Stone list.